Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. My guest today is Nicole Rogers. Nicole is one of my best friends, and she is an entrepreneur running a financial brokerage with her husband, Kevin, and is an athlete. Please welcome Nicole, and everyone enjoy the show. How's it going? Um, I'm excited to I'm excited to finally do this with you. I know it's been a long time coming, but um, did you know you're on episode 15 of my favorite numbers? So what? Yeah, 15 already. Yeah, episode Holy. 15. So yeah, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, so excited for Big Brother tonight. <laughs> I am. I can't <laughs> wait. Let's get our Big Brother on. <laughs> Who's your? Who, who do you want to win this season? Oh my gosh. I can't believe you're asking me that question. Hmm. Who do I want to win this season? That is a great question. I don't know, Peter. Who do you want to win this season? Well, I didn't know many people on. That was like my third season I ever watched. I already watched it with you and Kevin, but I think... I can't picture, I can picture his face, but I can't think of the name. He's not Memphis, but the other like leader dude. Was Chris? No. Cody? Cody, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I'm not really feeling Cody this year. I just, I think he's so entitled. Yeah, because he won before. He was the man before. I don't know. He just seems to me like his shit don't stink. Honestly, this year, they're voting out all my favorite people. Who, who are you, like Nicole? Yeah, I Ian. love Nicole. I love Ian. I love Daylon. And of course, they're all freaking voted out. So clearly, if I was ever on Big <laughs> I would be out the door. Well, because you dominate every competition, oh, I think. So funny. You'd be jealous of you. Uh, I might have a physical edge. I might. But then sometimes that's a reason that people get voted out. Yeah. Yeah. It's- I don't know. I'm trying to think. Who do I actually want? I don't want Danny to win. I feel like she's too manipulative this season. Who else is there? Christmas. I love when Davon was like, I'd call her Halloween. <laughs> that was friggin' hilarious to me. I love that. Reminder. But clearly I like relate to her on some level. Yeah. But yeah, love Big Brother. It's like my numb out. Oh man, it scares me though. It scares me. Why? Well, if you remember, I think it was probably like a year or two ago, I was uh, also at your place and had too many of the some of the devil's lettuces. <laughs> and I was probably on cloud, cloud 89 and <clears throat> Big Brother came on. And then I thought of George Orwell's book, 1984, which talks about totalitarian state. And there's a cold nurse says, Big Brother's watch you, mm-hmm. mean like the government's watching you and you have removed. So when I saw mm-hmm. that, I'm like, it's happening. <laughs> And then I'm like, Kevin, where's my snacks? Like, you ate them all. I'm like, oh, no. Big Brother has been <laughs> for so long already. But I mean, realistically, like, if you're worried about Big Brother, you should get rid of Facebook. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, all, it's too late already. TikTok and Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah. I don't, I don't watch too many TV shows. My main thing is football. It's the only thing I really get pumped for. I, yeah. <laughs> right? I don't even watch sports but I watch HGTV, reality TV, if I'm watching anything at all. But honestly, like, I try not to watch TV anymore. Yeah. 
I'm trying not to. Smile, Kevin and I will do our Survivor, we'll do our Big Brother because we're freaks like that. But it's like the only time of day where we like unwind. It's like nine out. o'clock at night too. Yeah. Not six o'clock or so midday. Like sit and chill and do our thing. Yeah. And you know, and then at least we can kind of like, I don't know, have a dialogue and have our favorites and it's just our thing. Yeah. So. Well, everyone has their thing. Yeah. And speaking of a thing, I hear you're competing in a, a bodybuilding competition pretty soon. I am. Yeah. I am. I have, um, oh gosh, I'm going to slap me because I don't know the name of the show. All I know is there is the regional show, like the, I suppose the show that I need to do that so that I can qualify to go to the next show. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I have to start at the bottom again. I have to start all the way at regionals again because it's a completely different organization, which is cool. Were you in IFB, IFBB? <clears throat> I was previously um, competing with the CBBF, and then now I believe it is the CPA, so the Canadian Physique Alliance. So it's just, um, I don't know, I think this look is more on board with like the look that we were always trying to obtain, like my coach and I, and... Um, just like the people in the organization, I'm not really entirely sure what kind of drama and junk went on between IFBB and CBBF. I could never keep it straight, but some junk went on between those two. And then like pro cards were being handed out differently and blah, 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 all this stuff. So long story short, I'm now competing with a different organization. So I'm not technically, um, a national athlete anymore. I'm starting at the bottom. So I'll be starting at, you know, tier one regionals and then working my way up so but when i qualify and kick ass at that show then i can go to toronto for shows in calgary and then i'll go to toronto and then that's a pro qualifier where i can obtain my pro card which is something that i have been um dreaming about doing for a very long time well yeah you've been crushing and i think definitely you'll come on top do you feel that starting at the bottom in new division do you feel uh, like a new sense of hunger or maybe i do push it's more motivating it's exciting to me it's kind of like being reborn in the industry again it's like um yeah i don't know there got to a point where back back in the day when i actually like was like competing show after show after show back and around in like 2013 to 2017 um people were intimidated by me back then and I think now I have to like reprove myself which is kind of exciting for me because I am motivated by like being the underdog and fear and just I'm always motivated by more of like the stick than the character (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I'm excited to be at the bottom and work my way up to the top I feel like also, because, you know, I'm not a little baby spring chicken anymore. I'm yeah. in my 30s now, or I'm 30. So, like, I got some mature muscle. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm going to go in and slay. So. Well, I think so, too. And and we're, I know we were talking before how girls have to have bigger booties now. And <laughs> and it feels like that, like, almost, it's almost like just an evolution of bodybuilding where just no matter what category you compete in, just over time, like, you have to qualify almost at a bigger size. Because I know <laughs> in physique bodybuilding, for people who don't know, uh, one of my favorite bodybuilders, or I guess athletes, you can say is Steve Cook. Mm-hmm. I think he has a great physique, mm-hmm. athletic, and self proportional. And right. when he was at the Olympia, when they first had physique Olympia, I thought he was going to win because, well, because like physique, right? But I think the person who ended up winning was 
great physique. They all, you all have great physiques, but I think he was the largest out of everyone, mm. which is, and then I think he got turned away because he's like, no, I thought it was like more they picked the, the bodybuilder over the physique guy. Well, it was a physique category, mm. and it was for somebody I think they picked guy mm, who okay. may not necessarily had the like proportion of physique, and and then he kind of got turned away from competing because it's like it's more size and instead of like the, shape. And the thing with competing though is like it's always it's like a snapshot, and it's the judges that day. And but you're right, people have been coming in bigger and bigger and bigger, and I think. I think that's another reason why, too, is a lot of um, industries or organizations are starting to, like, pull back or now we've added this classic men's physique and because, like, the men's bodybuilding has just gotten outrageously big. Oh, and, like, yeah. It's just crazy to see what they're, like, doing to their bodies. And obviously, it doesn't even look human anymore on some of them, which is crazy. Yeah. So, I think, obviously, it's gotten to its extremes. But at the same time, like, that's kind of, like, the nature of bodybuilding. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because, like, I'll, like, for example, I will be posting progress pictures on my stories and I'll, I'll you know, note how many pounds down I got to go or <clears throat> something along those lines. And then someone will message me back and I'm like, oh, I don't see any fat on you and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, like, I'll kind of get, like, um... And I know it's out of love and protection, and but I'll kind of get the like, oh, don't go too far, sweetheart, yeah. kind of a comment. Um, but it's like, no, you don't understand. Like this is, it's extreme and I understand that. And that's like sport. just a part of the nature and the art and the sport. Yeah. So it's that's the fun part, I guess. Yeah. And that's why I think it's important with bodybuilding to like, it's because otherwise you do or can potentially risk resenting the whole journey and process yeah. of it. Yeah. And, and I think if you don't do it properly or often enough, you probably can me mess up your metabolism and your body's oh, just shit. messed up from, you have to really watch what you eat or can't eat certain foods anymore or whatever, what have you. Uh, my first show, I screwed up. I swear. I like, I mean, like there's so many people complaining today that they've, you know, had metabolic, metabolic damage and screwed up their metabolism. And I have definitely been that person to preach that and yeah. say that. But I mean, we all learn along the way. But definitely back in 2013, when I did my first show, I've never been that lean before in my life. And I was like, I was like, pale, like super cut. Like it was pretty crazy. And you're at 0% body fat. <laughs> yeah, like oh, it man. was negative body fat. Probably like, eating like this celery and. Oh, it was so cool. It was crazy. <laughs> I'll have to pull up some pictures. But um, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. And then so I didn't know anything about reverse dieting at the time. Oh, yeah. And my coach was still really green at the time too. And so after the show, I had, I was talked up so hard to that show and we thought for sure I was going to get top five. And then I ended up getting sixth place. And what? I swear that was like the biggest kick in the face I could have got. I would have, I would have been less upset with like 10th or 12s, but to get six and not like at top five so I could make it to the next level, I was just devastated. So I ended up like, Crying myself into a bunch of brownies and cupcakes and like all the treat meals oh. and and I ended up gaining like seventeen or eighteen pounds in like three days. Wow! And a lot of it was water for sure, but I definitely like had a really really hard time balancing back after that. Just like mentally and how like your mentally body looked and, and physically, I was 
distraught for a while. I was very, I, that's the thing. I was like, cause you have this high of doing a show and you've worked so hard and it's so good. And it's you the first look time good. you've ever done it. Like, like God. Yeah. You just, you, you, everyone has been so nice to you for the past three months because you look like this chiseled freaking psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden you do the show, then you don't play somebody you want to, first of all. But anyways, it's like this big, big high. And then it's like this big valley. And I was like really depressed for a bit afterwards because I was like, you know what? Yeah. Do you, do you think a lot of people <clears throat> compete in bodybuilding maybe are like, like, no, I would say maybe, I want to say, I want to say self conscious, but do you think they just care about their looks all the time? Like they care about other people's opinions or, oh, 100%. or do you feel like if you're in it long enough, you kind of get a hang of it? Or? Um, I think, again, there's like an art and a balance and you have to be real, real careful. Like you have to like be careful about like why you're doing it and why you're going into it in the first place. Um, and then also <clears throat> while you're in the game, you have to just recognize like you are, you are opting to stand up in front of 20 people and let them pick you apart and tell you what's good about you and what isn't. And outside of that, you're also choosing to step into um, a physique that your body doesn't necessarily look like now. And a lot of other people are trying to obtain the same physique. And it's like, you're trying to look a certain way that you don't look. So it's like, you need to be careful mentally. Like you just have to have that balance. Like you, you can't lose yourself in it and you can't beat yourself up because you're kind of in a way trying to not be yourself. I know it's really, it's this paradox. Yeah. Because well, <laughs> even the judges, they have, well, I think they're mm-hmm. they're always have their their favorite look. And mm-hmm. for example, like Phil Heath, well, he won like the Mr. Olympia how many years in a row because he had the look and had no one else had the look. So how can you win? Because that's the only look, and everyone's genetics are different, mm-hmm. all have different shapes and sizes. And totally. So it's interesting. Of course, it would mess with your head, especially like I think I think it's uh, Kai Green. He always gets like second, and I imagine what that does to your psyche and always oh. losing, always coming just short and. That's a, thing. That's a full-time job too, basically, when you're a pro bodybuilder almost. It is a full-time job for sure. Like it's, especially if you take it seriously. <laughs> like and that, lots of people like to walk around saying you're a bodybuilder, but if you actually take your, and like you're up and you're getting ready for a show, it's a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Like you're getting, you're like, yeah, mentally, physically, emotionally. It's just, yeah, you're putting a lot on your plate. And that's why I love bodybuilding because it was the first thing in my life, maybe not the first thing, but it was one of the pinnacle things in my life that really, really showed me like I can be disciplined. This is how I stack and build my own confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, it also showed me like, oh, look at what happens when you don't put a bunch of sugar and crap into your body and you actually clean up your diet for an extended period of time. Yeah. Great things. So there's just so much to be learned about bodybuilding, not to mention our body is temple and this is where our spirit and our soul lives. So it's like, you should freaking take care of it. hundred percent. I think, I think when we also speak about body positivity, you know, it's a huge thing. I think it's almost geared towards, yes, I don't, I don't hate like to put out with people who maybe are larger in size, maybe don't have like, say the, the Bible and physiques. Uh-huh. And it feels like some, someone now, or maybe always, but it's like both extremes are kind of almost uh, stigmatized. Like, don't be too big, but don't be too like uh, lean and mm-hmm. and just like shredded. Just like be just average, and it's always like a notion. <laughs> it's like, and me too. Like when I first got into uh, like weight weightlifting and working out, my friends were like, "Oh, like 
like, when are you going to stop? I'm like, well, I'm not going to stop. It's like just a lifelong thing. I love it. And yeah. like, really? I'm like, yeah, I'm. It's a process because if I stop, I go backwards. Yeah. It's like, weird. Why would I do that? I know people in my life have always been that way as well. Like, when are you going to stop? When is it going to be enough? When are you going to roll over and die? Like, yeah. basically, that's what they're asking me. Because yeah. realistically, like, it's this is a process. It's ongoing. It's never going to stop. And I think about it now. Like, I'm so grateful that I have this weird little obsession and that body life when I did. Because I look at some people. Like, it's 2020 now. I started bodybuilding in 2013. So I have been, like, invested mm-hmm. in my health since, like, heavily. And then I think about other people in my life who have completely disregarded their health altogether and now it's showing up so it's like our daily habits are going to shape us one way or another and you're right like there's a stigma no matter which way you go if you're too extreme one way or too extreme another somebody's gonna shit on you 100 percent. but it doesn't matter i remember i remember once um it was right after a show and i was super peeled and we went to sylvan lake and we were walking around sylvan lake and it was just packed and i remember i was pushing a stroller, I think. Is it a stroller? You guys pushing your stroller. One of my girlfriend's babies. I'm walking around. I had zone though. Can't remember. I, anyways, long. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my baby's behind me. Maybe her, her baby Isla. Anyway, I can't pushing remember. a stroller though. For long sure. story short, these two women who were like not just overweight, like aggressively obese, apparently looked me up and down and said that I was disgusting. Wow. So it's just, to me, it was like, okay, I understand that being super peeled and low body fat is not everybody's choice of look. However, I would never human being obese, anorexic, any of the things, and look at them and say, you're disgusting. Mm -hmm. Like, I would just never, in my mind, think to do that. But then at the same time, it's like, that's their perception. That's the sad little hole they're living in. But... No matter who you are, no matter if you're like the juiciest, ripest peach in the world, somebody's still going to hate peaches. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And uh, speaking of, uh, you know, when you're talking about when you like lost your competition, you're so pumped and you chatting your mind, so you you crush. Um, brought me to a story when I was um, trying for football um, a couple of years ago before uh, before we met. I thought, uh, you know, I seriously had I thought I had a shot at maybe going pro and or at least college and. So I hired, basically hired two personal trainers for about a year, maybe a year and a half. Mm-hmm. One strength coach. I was in the gym, average about three hours a day. Wow. Just as, um, I didn't realize, you know, because bodybuilding's not that you're not in the gym a long time as a bodybuilder, but as an athlete, the warm-ups are more meticulous. You got to make sure you roll all your muscles. You got to make sure all your hips and all your ligaments are warm. So you're doing all the stretches and lunges. And and then I would have my set pulls and medicine ball tosses. And then I would touch the weights. Wow. And so much respect for that type of training because like that's one thing I did not know when I got started in bodybuilding. I didn't understand that bodybuilding was like mostly a st- yeah. I had no idea. Like I didn't know that there was a difference between aesthetics and like functionality and things like that. But yeah, I have so much respect for the training that you do because when I went out and worked with Mike Dolce last year, whatever year it was, he works with different fighters and athletes and it's all functional fitness. And it was like, no, we hardly used any, or we didn't use any weights at all. We did all this body weight movement, but, oh, pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, 
It was intense. It was like the, it was like the tiniest little muscles and tiniest little fibers, but I was dead after. So I have so much respect yeah. for the type of training. Yeah, that you but do. same thing. I loved it and I, I couldn't get enough of it. And then, yeah, same thing. I was pumped at uh, also on field coach who, uh, at the time was either, I think he was on Essence practice squad. So he's basically, I would say basically professional football player who was teaching me on, wow. on field and he helped me a lot and made to the final tryout of the Canadian junior football team in Edmonton. And the same thing, like coaches are looking for something for a team, like a certain player, a certain, because they have a system, a team, uh, kind of they want to kind of a uh, gold mine, a culture they want right. to maintain. And totally. they looked at me and they're like, you know, and it was my last year to play. So I only had one year to play juniors. Football team is a business team. Yeah. And it was, basically it was because my body hurt every day. And I was about, I'd say I'm six, six, one, but more six, six. <laughs> um, I was about six, six, one. 205 pounds lean and I remember one trial I never dropped the ball and I was hanging with all the veterans so I was like the guy and I volunteered for everything I put my heart and soul in the team and last last tryout uh, it's the last receiver called in to the receiver coach and he's like you know what Peter you're just kind of old for the team we bought some younger guys and same thing uh, I was crushed I cried and I put ice cream sandwiches <laughs> and just crushed them all <laughs> and I think it was probably a good six months before I even went back to the gym. So I was just so crushed. I'm like, well, that worked for nothing. And, but yeah, just for nothing. Like, yeah. I, something. I learned the time. I learned, um, I guess how to trade more properly because before, you know, I do a lot of machine work, a lot of, I love our setup work, but now I just love to be like more functional. I want to be strong, uh-huh. but powerful. I want to be an, essentially an athlete. Yeah. I want to be able to be strong because I need to hop into like a drop in soccer game. I want to be able to do that, no problem, mm-hmm. or do or go hiking or whatever. And you want your body to like move and function the way that it's supposed to. Hundred percent. Even when you're old. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> and I also want to see where my body's uh, natural body weight is. I don't want to be too big or too slender. Yeah. I think for me, it was around two hundred pounds, so it feels good. Mm-hmm. And so I think I was a bit bigger before I two fifteen, two twenty, and. Just too big for me. Can't move my clothes. Can't find pants fit me. There is such, yeah, like there, we all have like our sweet spot where we feel confident, the clothes feel good. We're still like, you know, you know, enjoying fellowship and food with our family and, you know, saying no to every little thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's just so much more to, to, fitness than fitness anyway yeah. you know like life skills discipline but also like spirituality mm-hmm. like there's something spiritual about the endorphins and the blow and just that little kick that you get while you're actually in the middle of it yeah and, and it's, it's strange too i think the most hardcore people at the gyms are the, the nicest people totally like there's one big guy at the gym i remember meeting i think he was Probably like six four and just massive. I went up to him. I was asked questions, not deep voice. I was expecting like angry guy, but no, super nice. And gave me just all the answers. I'm like, wow, like yeah, you look so intelligent, but you're just a nice person. I find that investors, whether it is investors in your body and health, whether it's investors into your bank account and financial future whether it's into your marriage, into your church, into your business. I think those are the most open-minded people because they understand that there is a level of work and commitment 
and like energy and love that they have to put into things. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I love athletes and I love business owners and I love people that like favor trust and good relationships and things like that. And yeah. And people are just kind of self-driven to yeah. accomplish it. Like I'm so grateful that I was entered into the health because it's really catapulted me into every other good thing in my life so far. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and in regards to bodybuilding, how do you how do you start your fitness journey? How do you step in the gym and that was like a interesting it's like a serendipitous story because um it's funny because we started working out. Kevin started working out at the gym at the alley, and he's working out with his brother and our other male roommate at the time. And I remember like kind of getting frustrated with him and mad that he was going to the gym every night. And then I was like, wait a second, I gotta think you're going to the gym. That's stupid. Like, <laughs> go to the gym yourself. Don't be mad. So that's what I did. And I started going to the gym. And Kevin was actually the first person that introduced me to like wide grip pull downs and you know just things at the gym. <clears throat> and then we ended up going to Mexico on a vacation with a couple. And that gal was a physique competitor. And the whole time we were on this Mexico trip, her and I were talking about competing and talking about this and talking about that. And she's like, you should do it. You have enough muscle, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I could never do that. You're crazy. And then we come home from this Mexico trip and Kevin and I go to the water park because we're having like Mexico blues. Yeah. We're like, <laughs> back to the water park we go. Let's go pretend we're still. <laughs> I think the legitimate reason we were there was actually for sound waves. Uh, but that's another story for another podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyways, we're at the water park and then all of a sudden this short act muscly bald guy comes striding up to me and he's like, Hey, do you compete? Enter my coach, Justin, who's been my coach from day one and is still my coach to this day. Um, and I was like, that is so weird that you're asking yeah. me. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't compete, but I did just spend like a week in Mexico talking about them. And he's like, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm not an actual trainer, but I've won a few national shows myself. I'm pretty good at it, blah, blah, blah. Trainers are super expensive. I just want to help people for a cheap price. I'm like, hey, cool. Sounds good. I'm in. This sounds like fate to me. Yeah. Because I was like, legit, like this guy's like, hey, you want to compete? And I'm like, I don't know. Like God just dropped a coach in front of me, basically. And so I was like, okay, let's freaking do it. So I met him in March at Soundwave. And then March... Was it March? I'm probably getting my timeline wrong. March? No, not March. May. I competed in June. June? Anyways, long story short, met the guy and then competed three months later, basically. Wow. So right away, just got into it. Yeah. So he's like, hey, we have about three or four months thing done. And if you're well ready and willing, let's do it. So I gave him 400 bucks, started dieting and working out aggressively and followed everything he said 100 per thousand cent <laughs> and it's funny because i didn't see him for a few weeks afterwards and i was like cutting fast like i was peeling and everyone around me was like what the fuck is wrong with you you look like skeletor 
And then I'm messaging him and I'm like, hey, everyone's like tripping out. And he's like, no, I'm certain I'm taller than you. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I said he's a foot freaking taller than you, dude. <laughs> so anyways, I think he malnourished me for like at least a month. But anyways. <laughs> so yeah, that's actually a show that I, I ended up getting sixth place. And then... Yeah, cried myself into a cup, gained some down and determined to go back and do it again. And then I went back and did it again, and then I, I ended up winning that show. So I won regionals in 2014, I won regionals and provincials in 2015, and then I just freaking to war trying to win nationals yeah. <laughs> from 2015 until 2017. And I did a whole bunch of shows back to back, always placed top five every single time. Um, but one of my downfalls is my. So you want to be like toothpick arms and then. And I was like, she should do wellness. I don't want to do wellness because I might like her again. I lost my body. I did with my calves. He's They're just ginormous. So good legend. Good legend calf shakes. Like, how do we freaking do these things? I think every guy would love your calves. They're ginormous. Anyone love your calves. Yeah, but every woman would hate my calves because boot problems. Oh, yeah, jeez. Sucks. Like, the cutest boots, and you're like, no, can't wear any pants if you calves are the size of your head. Yeah, I was going to get fit, the clothes that fit better. No, they don't fit at all. I had to go buy especially clothing costs <laughs> no, twice as much. Hey, do your weird-shaped body. Yeah, yeah buy all those stretchy <laughs> dress pants that cost 200 bucks a pant. Actually, jeez. I know, right? I just <laughs> say that beautiful body. Your muscly, wonderful body. Yeah. yeah. I think the closest I came to competing at Com, I think... Years ago, I had a body did like body space, mm-hmm. and I, I entered in, and I didn't really shred that much. I was like average ish body. I went compared to other people, and then when I saw like other posts of their photos, everyone had like professional photographers and like these like when there's fucking shredded, and I'm like iPhone camera, and I'm, like <laughs> okay, but I guess I entered in and gave it a shot, and I made uh, <laughs> my journey to fitness um kind of funny. I was uh with a high school sweetheart in um, grade 12. And back then I need naively thought that I was like, it's like I found my one friend. Oh, you. <laughs> and obviously in university, what happens to a lot of people is you quit your sports because school is freaking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So I quit playing all my sports, but I kept my eating habits up. So like 260 pounds. Mm-hmm. And then with me in December, after we stupidly, I got promise rings. I got promise rings, and and then in a weird way, I'm like, I was in my bitch. I'm like, <laughs> uh, luckily my friend's dad um, at the time he actually used to compete in bodybuilding back in the Dizay, and when he was like, and he was like 50 or 40 something at the time. Mm. Great shape. He was getting back into it, and then he showed me the ropes and tried to work out properly, and told me it was about not about the weight, but how how you how you live. Mm. Then from there, I just fell in love with it, and then. Now I can't see myself not going to the gym right? and just loving it. And now it's a lifestyle and it's crazy how things happen mm-hmm. and where you end up in life later down the road. Totally. Just getting uncomfortable every day. Yeah. Grows, yeah. Grows a human being. Yeah. And, and for your bodybuilding, um, when you get your pro card, or do you want to compete on a pro level and take it further and fall in yards or you just want to turn to see what happens? Well, I, um, my original dream was to get all the way to the, I'm not entirely sure if I'm too old for that dream yet or now. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not 23 anymore. Um, but when I get my pro card, it's literally because 
I have a dream on my heart that needs to be fulfilled. What will happen after that? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, everyone's like, well, what does your pro card mean? And I'm like, legit, I have to pay for a card that says I'm pro. Well, That's what it means. For it. Like, <laughs> People who think that IFBB Pro and CBBF is always such a big deal. It's not. Like, athletes work hard. It's a process. Just because you're card and you pay for it every year does not mean you're a respectable athlete still. And that's like who you are every single day and who you're becoming and all the things. Like, my Dustin, he has won his national title over and over and over and over and over again. But because of his past, because of some fucking politics, he's bullshit carrying his past to the future. This guy has done so much charity. He's done so many good things for people. He's he's gotten so many people awards and to the top like his of gold. And it just they won't give him his freaking pro card. Nobody deserves it more. So pro card, I don't know what happen afterwards because at the end of the day. I'm not going to put my value and my significance into that title. My heart, this dream is on my heart. I took a three-year break. It still won't go the fuck away. <laughs> so I'm Make doing it easy. again. You gotta do it. <laughs> I'm doing it again. It's like that Goggins uh, in you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, he won't go away. I'm like, if, if God wanted me to let it go, he would not pitchforking me with mm -hmm. it. And he is. So I'm doing it. 100% well. <laughs> I think that's uh, sometimes what people fight the most. That's when, well, that's all that happened. You know you, do, you know, you want to do a certain career, but it's in your heart, or and you, but you just don't follow it because yeah. something pays better, or you think something will be better, and then you're regretting it, and, and then I, end up in the path anyways. I guess fear is choosing the wrong path. Being on my my old lady deathbed and regretting something that I didn't do. I don't know. The fear of regret. I think yeah. that's the worst. It would be, yeah. You can't change Ugh. back time. Like that would just be the worst. So it's like, it's worth doing. It's worth doing all out. If we're on this planet, you should be doing something great and trying to max out. Yeah. We should, uh, after your, your competitions, me, you, and Kevin should do like a Spartan race whenever they have those races where we can like run through like a course or a maze. I, I'm in. So we can train, train, be accountable yes. to each other. And Functional. Yeah. That's functional fitness. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like building. When I took a break, I was like, wow, like I'm so stiff and I can hardly move. And Oh yeah. Stretching super important. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Mm -hmm. Well, even like that David Goggins story where he basically was so tight that he had a muscle that was basically strangling him. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's crazy to think about. Stretch your body. Stretch your mind. Important. Yeah, my, th stretch my my thing is uh, acupuncture. I think it's iron compass acupuncture. She she's she's amazing. Yeah, I do. I usually go for ninety minutes I, instead of an hour. Mm. And yeah, really. And she also that's cupping at the same time. Mm. So and I just feel it hurts the next day because all the needles. But I feel amazing afterwards, and all my problems just mm -hmm. are gone away. So yeah, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's like a car. Mm -hmm. yeah, Temple. Temple. Yeah. And I mean, like, go around. In your body all day, like, how can you expect to feel good? No wonder you feel like shit, people. Yeah, exactly. And, and I guess teach your own, like, everyone has their own life. You can do what you want with your life. But, you know, you see those people who are, who are, don't have a broken ankle or leg or not old, but are just extremely overweight in scooters. Yeah. And it's just a cycle. You see when you're in a cycle and habit and 
eat the same foods and you don't move it you lose it and you don't realize until i think something happens or some points it out sometimes just hard to notice mm-hmm. so true i that's the thing i'd have to say that to all my old people in the hospital all the time when i was nursing and be like i don't want your bed and like well, you don't move it you're gonna lose it and you're never gonna get out of this bed yeah you know and like even like People in their 60s, I've seen people in their 60s struggle to get out of the bed in the hospital, wow. right? And that's not that old. Like, More, really yeah. not that old. Like, man, you yourself out of bed at 60 or you're struggling to get yourself out of bed at 60? Like, there's something to reevaluate. Like, you have trouble. Yeah, I think uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's, I think he's still hits to do his bike every day. And he's totally. Close to, I think he's pushing 80 soon here. Right. I think so. He must be. I know that guy is getting old and he's still killing. Yeah, I just love it. I go for a run every night and I see more old couples than any young couple. There's just always old couples walking around and I just wonder why. I wonder why it's like the elderly. It's <laughs> like just taking over the young people. <laughs> no. No, but honestly, like I um my thought today while I was running was I'm gonna run for all the people that can't go for a run today. Physically, because mm-hmm. because some kind of health element, mm-hmm. you know, because it's have that thought. Like, there's somebody today, probably many people that are like sick in bed physically with like whatever it may be, cancer, heart problems, obesity, depression, anxiety, whatever it is that's keeping them in bed today, and they are guilted by it, and they're not going for a run. And so my thought was. I'm going to run for all the people that can't run today. I'm going to enjoy it and love it, even though it feels like it's killing me right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to run for all the people that can't run today. My run when I felt like I was dying. But at the same time, give it to somebody else. Because, you know, there's so many things you take for granted. Yeah, 100%. And I'm not sure if I'll ever be a runner. Maybe one day. I love bike. But one thing, it's weird. I don't like running. But if you pull on a football field, I'll run like sprints all day. Just... Mm. a, like a, a toy, I guess, like a dog. <laughs> so I just don't focus on the running. <laughs> oh, man. Shiny thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, speaking of, I know you mentioned a couple times of uh, just um, a couple times, but I know uh, religion is always just a, a touchy subject. Mm. And because I think it's, uh, people look at maybe it's always the, again, the extremes. You look at how certain people take certain either parts of the religion um, I know you focus on certain sections and and just basically make a essentially a cult like the Jonesville or oh. or I think Waco, Texas, where these crazy happen. I think people just get I think scared off from religion because they think it's a cult and sometimes it can be because to find if you want to your own. I think one thing I like about religion, even though I'm not overly religious myself, is just the community aspect. Um, especially the church we went to here in Leduc, city, mm-hmm. city, city life, city life, city life. Um, shout out, shout um, out to city life. Um, one, there's no, um, as uh, Joe Rogan people dress up like wizards <laughs> in the church. Like, so I know I went to uh, Ukrainian. I grew up uh, Ukrainian Orthodox. Oh, really? And I believe I went to a church my grandmother started when she first came here from Ukraine. No way. And so that was, um, so I think after she passed away, I stopped going to church. So maybe that's why, because mm-hmm. she was a big part of the region. But it's, um. But yeah, like I go through, it's kind of boring because it's like an hour long. It's usually in Ukrainian. And when you sit, like, then they sing songs. Oh, but I love bringing our basket full of food and we get blessed oh, by the priest. So I like that part. And then you eat it the next day. 
as time. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, speak to you, um, because I know you recently got back, like, and I guess for people who maybe are not used to religion or lies, like, maybe speak to um, just that community aspect of that, maybe the faith as well of how <sighs> just because you're having a bad day or it's bad things are happening, it doesn't mean life's crumbling. No, definitely. And I, yeah, I think, well, I think we, I need to start from the beginning if I need to get this out chronologically. Or <laughs> I'm not through that. I'm not living it yet. But I, religion is, I don't love the word religion. Um, I suppose that's what it is. But I, like, I've always been a track God since I was a little girl. I've always believed in God. I've believed in her. I've just believed in God, loved God. No, just knew about it. Knew it always. Um, and then I went to, but then my parents practice anything. Mm-hmm. My dad, I don't know if he's like atheist or if he just doesn't like talk about, um, but he didn't really believe in anything. And then my mom was like, I believe in God, but she, she like practiced the religion either. I mean, I think she did as a kid, but never brought it into our lives. And I ended up going to vacation Bible school with like friends when I was younger, just on my own accord. And then I went to, you know, um, youth group as a teenager, just because I wanted to. And I remember going to like youth, always attracted to God. And so that was always just attraction for me. And I was going to get baptized uh, back in the day when I was hanging out with my young friends when I was a teenager probably like 12 to 14 kind of thing. I was going to get baptized and then it just never happened. And then, and then all of a sudden I was like, you know, not 14 anymore and interested in boys and drugs and alcohol and gosh knows what else. So you Um, basically became a normal teenager. Yeah. So (laughs) I was like, you know, your typical fallen soul in a fallen world. I was, you know, very, human burying my flesh for multitude of years and yeah. um you know peaks and valleys and lows always trying to achieve or be something or find something externally whether it be through achievement whether it be through working whether it be through boys alcohol drugs whether it be through bodybuilding whether it be through the list goes on you know, so I was always searching for this external something. And clearly I was trying to fill the cup in my soul, um, forgetting that, that, that foundation for me. Mm-hmm. And, and then beginning of this year, 2020, I, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018, I just, lots of change in my life, lots of like, just lots of change, lots of identity shifts. And so with that came a lot of a lot of like depression and confusion and anxiety and all these like negative feelings that I didn't know how to process or like I felt like I didn't know how to process. And into 2020, at the beginning of the year, January hit and I, I was like, nope, this is to my faith. I am going to go to church every single Sunday. I'm going to the Bible. I'm going to like actually study the word and actually invest my time into stuff that my soul some peace. And so I started doing that in January and then, you know, stayed true to my word and my commitment. And then in March, um, COVID hit and you couldn't go to church anymore. And my first thought was like, oh, great. You commit to your faith. (laughs) (laughs) Here you go. (laughs) Right. 
But then, but then we went to church that day when it was like, it was like the last day you could go before, like, I know now you can go back and blah, blah, blah. But it was like the last day before they like shut church down kind of a thing. And I started to bawl. I just like, well, I don't know what came over me, but I just like poured and poured and poured and cried my eyes out like a baby. And I just felt like this sense of love and peace, like everything's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. The whole world could be falling to shit right now as it appears, but it's going to be fine. That was my overwhelming sense. And yeah, I was just so grateful. And I know COVID and 2020 has been such a nasty year for so many people. And so I'm really careful. And I know I'm saying this on the podcast, so I can't be that careful. (laughs) But I've had the best year ever. And I honestly think it's because I recommitted to my faith and I committed to God. Yeah. It's interesting that when things might get seeing you know, a virus we have no idea what it do mm-hmm. and i get what what kept opening the grocery stores and such services but certain things like say maybe um certain alcohol um, people who are dependent on alcohol or drugs certain groups like that where people came to have a sense of cure to leave themselves or um churches or mosques or people were coming to pray and i guess that's if you need that was kind of all ripped away and mm-hmm. i think that's maybe why people like I think church mentioned a lot of people from a lot of churches kind of stopped going or stopped pra- or start practicing because church was gone and I imagine their life was maybe significantly just more media because of that because they weren't focused. Amen. No, it's true because honestly, like world today, look at especially if you're a person that watches news, like you are probably having you are probably like furrow brown and miserable right now. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, like we're human. And shit is always going to happen. There's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. But as long as we're walking this earth, there's going to be ups and downs. And I feel like mental illness is at an all-time high. Anxiety, depression, all that stuff is at an all-time high. And that's because nobody feels safe. Everybody's living in fear. And I think it's because people have turned their backs on and forgotten their faith foundation. And I was there. And that's why I'm speaking this with conviction. Because it's like everything else can change. Your marriage can change. Your business can change. Your financial picture can change. Your household can change. Like every, your health can change. Your family can change. Somebody can die. Like everything else is fine and precious and is not going to be here forever, except for God and the creator. And the same thing that makes like plants grow or seeds come out of the dirt that, that makes our hearts beat. Like that is the only thing that will never change or go away. hundred percent. And I think, well, yes, never got a bit of a church. Um, uh, there are a lot of great lessons, you know, if you don't focus on, because I think people just focus on the God or Jesus part, mm-hmm. they turned off. But if you kind of look, actually dive into the Bible and certain images or stories, they're great uh, lessons to be learned there. And people can bring to it. It's not about, you know, just praying to God and that's all you do. Well, there's actual principles. Oh, there's so and, many. Like respecting. And, and yeah, again, it's because people see these, Yes, yeah, because the negative always wins on the social media, and you see these churches who probably, let's say, aren't godly or aren't following the actual meaning of what it was supposed to be. Say God hates bags or God hates mm-hmm. these people. Well, mm-hmm. you also need to read the Bible because mm-hmm. God loves everyone, mm-hmm. and everyone should respect. You don't, I guess, yeah. and I guess you don't have to love everyone, but you should respect everyone mm-hmm. as they're doing. But like, what are some like lessons or some good lessons maybe you, you take away from the Bible that people can just apply to themselves? Oh, I was, um, I was frustrated with people the other day. I swear to you, I get my baptism 
And it's like the freaking devil's trying to come out of me. Like I'm having an exorcist. Like I was frustrated with people and I'm like, Lord, like I'm, I just had a baptism. Like I should be so loving and yeah. so gentle <laughs> and so just ah, right now. And I feel like I'm an exorcist. Um, seriously though. So I was frustrated with people and then I'm like, I'm going to go to my Bible. I'm going to go to my Bible. And you want to know what the first thing that came up was, or basically like the bold letters that I took from it. It was what passage it was or what scripture it was because, again, um, but it said, do not keep any records of wrongs. I was like, oh, hit me right between the eyes. I'm like, dang it. Here I am having all these expectations, thinking this should be this way and this person should think this way and be this way and act this way. And then here's the Bible who's like, no, dude, love them anyway and do not keep any records of wrongs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm like, ugh, so good. I think I need to hear that because sometimes either people, I'm like, why don't they do this? And, mm-hmm. and I just hold them like, and then I try to stop and be like, well, you shouldn't have like, these expectations on people. And saying so, you know, all you're hurting is yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Control, 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 expect, expect. Then the more we're relying on the, the works of our flesh again and the love believing in and trusting in the, the, god like creation and universe and the laws of attraction and because it's like it's not like you could just pray and be like god i want riches and he's just like boop there you go riches that's not how it works like you go to work and be a good human being but then you also have to like resemble the character of god which is being loving and being gentle and being kind and and whatever it all is like righteous and and grace and like all those things 100 mm, percent. and what uh i think quotes i think it's from the bible let let the I think it's he but let, let without uh without say for a stone mm. and for me like I take away that's like when people from the wrong like, the wrong doings but it's like mm-hmm. I think we all messed up at a point and I'm not saying we shouldn't get angry at one another because sometimes people make mistakes that are shouldn't be made but we should kind of just be more on either patient understanding or we all make mistakes and yes. so just because of something we shouldn't be so um jump on them right away and tackle yeah we. We can't point finger people when we have our own skeletons in the closet. Yeah. You just can't. It just is what it is. Everybody has things that they have said or that they're not, they shouldn't have done or judge them and think you're better than them or any of those things. And it's just, no, you can't. Everybody is here for a reason. God loves everybody. And he works through broken people. He works through pained people. He works through crappy people. It's, it's to try to live in his image and try to live in his and try to write. And that's why I love the idea of what we just, both of the scriptures that we both brought up, because it was like, don't keep records of wrongs and don't judge people. Because, hey, as long as you're a human being on this planet, you are going to make some wrongs. And... Guess what? Somebody's judging you at all times, and it's the guy upstairs. And he's the only person we should be afraid of judging us anyway. 100%. Right? Yeah. That's why you shouldn't give a frick what anybody thinks. You should just care what he thinks. Because of the day, he's going to be the one that lets you into the heaven's gates. Not Sally Joe over there. <laughs> yeah, screw you, Sally. <laughs> that this thing that you're doing is <laughs> like, I'll pray for you, but I'm not worried about what you think anymore. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think that would be a perfect uh, message to end things off. Cool. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for being on my podcast, Nicole. And 
Thanks can't for having me. It was so much fun. I know. I can't wait to have video set up, and uh, it's going to be great. Thank you. We'll do it again after I win my pro card. Woo! Woo!